0: Welcome into the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, uh, Cooper Halpern is going to hop in here with me, and we are going to review Taylor Horton Tucker's season. Uh, he's a fascinating player. He is, <laughs> what's crazy to think about is that he is younger than the vast majority of the players who are going to be drafted in this year's draft. Think about that. That's insane. Uh, And he still showed so much promise. So Cooper and I are going to discuss him, his season, and the decision that the Lakers will have to make should some team swoop in and offer him some exorbitant contract that could take one of their few real assets this year away. So enjoy that, and we'll continue the series uh, moving forward with, with some really fun names to come All right, I am joined now by Cooper Halpern. He uh, does some work with us over here at Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, he wrote up the season review for Taylor Horton Tucker. He also does some work uh, for Pinstripe Alley. We'll just look past him being a Yankees fan for, for this occasion. <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to start here with, with Taylor Horton Tucker because this is, I think, the trap that fans can kind of fall into when it comes to a young player who out, outdoes, uh, outperforms expectations. And um, that is that with in, in it's really easy to overlook warts and and blow up the really cool things that a player does out there. And I'm not saying that that is definitely what is going on there out there with everybody. And I'm not saying I'm not high on Taylor Horton Tucker, though it, it is it, it has become a bit of a sin to, to say anything other than Taylor Horton is a, is a <laughs> second coming but but in your review of his season um were you able to were you able to 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 ring that that tendency in with him or 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 did you notice that you know hey why didn't we why didn't anybody mention the 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 missed rotation here and actually he's a better passer than i thought was there anything that surprised you i guess
1: uh yeah first of all thanks for having me um but uh no not at all if anything uh, I went the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm uh, about as high as as you could be on Taylor Orton, Tucker. All right. Um, I think so. So apologies there for uh, no, no, no,
0: it's not, it's not, it's not. An, I'm not. <laughs> if you're high on him, I'm. I'm like. <laughs> see, I'm. I, I'll just cop to being a bit of a contrarian, and so if I see if I see a widely held belief that I think is getting a little out of hand. I'm, I'm, I'm always going to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. But if you can convince me that the guy is actually what what uh, what you think he is, and then yeah, great. So, I, I walk away from this in a better mood than I came in.
1: Okay, so here. I think he does a couple of things really, really, really well that like just are not normal for NBA players and will continue to translate as he develops a more – you know, full package of NBA talent. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing, and, like, you you see this watching him, is he gets to the rim. Like, he can get to the rim, and he can score at the rim. And, I mean, you saw it in those preseason games. That was, like, really the first time we all saw it, I think, where he dropped, like, 30 a couple times, and he mm-hmm. averaged 20 points a game. He had the 10th highest points per game in the preseason, which, like, doesn't mean anything, but it means more than nothing. Um Per the B ball index, they have him as uh, an A minus finisher at the rim and an A overall finishing talent. Yeah, he's um,
0: phenomenal at, at, at the rim. He's really, really so
1: good. So he loves to get to that like backhanded, right handed layup on the yeah. left side of the rim. And like, it's not often you see a guy come into the league with a signature move. Like, that, that's yeah. just not a thing we see. So I think that's really special. What held him back during the season, at least on the offensive end, is team started, you know, scouting him like a real NBA player but as he became one in what was effectively his rookie season. And they just were, you know, going way under pick pick and roll, sagging into the paint, allowing him to drive. And then he'd get down there and not really know what to do, or he'd like throw a forced layup or, you know, pass the ball into a not really open shooter. And it's not like the Lakers had the best spacing in the world. So yeah. it – it just, it just was like he was sort of playing into the hands of what the defense wanted him to do. And that culminated in when LeBron like took him aside during game two of the Sun Series and like really chewed him out on TV. And I think it's safe to assume that uh, he was telling him to shoot because he wasn't shooting early in that game and then immediately after he starts taking those open threes because he just really can't play. If he's like Rajon Rondo, you know, right. mm-hmm. early Rondo with, I mean, he doesn't have that kind of vision. So it's just not, it's not a viable NBA player, but we've seen him shoot in the preseason. We've seen those shots go in. Occasionally when he gets his feet under him, it looks really smooth. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes he gets sort of a yippy and it just doesn't go in at all. And he really clanks them. And he shot like 28% on the season, which is obviously not good, but I mean, he's working with, uh, you know, lethal shooter, or whatever, like, Oh, great. Awesome. I mean, at least he's working on it. you know, you know? I, I'm,
0: I'm, I, I say that mostly tongue in cheek because I don't, I just don't believe for a second that lethal shooter is out there actually having guys shoot on a rotating rim. Like, there's just no way. I, what's I, the, I, what I is the, is a the, shoot plan? For the rotating a stretch of rim. my life, and that is not something I would have done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know what? I think at the bare minimum, he knows what's wrong and he's going to work on it. So that's i think like the biggest step at least he's not like some other much bigger maybe number one former overall pick who thinks he doesn't need to shoot you know at least we're not in that territory who are you talking so, about uh, i don't know he plays in the east coast I don't, uh,
0: he's still a rookie though in simmons case in simmons defense he's still a rookie those are wrinkles at oh, all simmons Oh, right okay. yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah no he's still he's i mean he's he's literally not 21 years old so right he's got so i mean think about what this guy who's already a 96 percentile overall finisher right now Mm -hmm. can be when he adds muscle. I mean, we watched the boxing video of him, adds quickness, adds the shooting, and now defenses have to are pulled out to really press him on the outside. I mean, like, I think that's a legitimate weapon. And especially for what the Lakers have and and don't have, which is real flexibility of adding a third star. Mm -hmm. He's like the only route to a third star. I mean, we're all out on Dennis overnight truder, right? So like Mm -hmm. I I think we have to hope that THT can continue to grow his really elite skills to becoming a real weapon because that that he is the second unit creator behind LeBron. So
0: Yeah, I that's I I find myself so the star stuff, I don't I don't know if I, I see him becoming a star, but I do think I do think the, the fact that he was able to finish the way that he did. When over the course of the year, that's what teams knew that he was going to be trying to do. And given the lack of spacing that the Lakers had uh, throughout the season, that is pretty insane. Like skepticism aside, that is and that's that's a talent that is always going to matter at the end of the day is is finishing at the rim or just finishing in 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 congestion. Uh, He uses his body really well. He's a thicker guy. And he has those nice long arms. So he gets into your body and his arms just go further than you. And that's just, it's, it's just really fun to watch him play that way. What did you see from him on the defensive side of the ball? Because the one thing that, that we're seeing in the playoffs right now is that as good as somebody might be, what they can't be is, is um, targetable on defense. And do you think there's a, there's a route for him to go where he isn't targetable?
1: Yeah, so I think that's that's definitely true. Um, he, just to your first point, he has those, like, inspector gadget arms, you know? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. they shoot out. Um, he had that great finish on Aiden. Um, yeah. But to the defensive he does, point... He
0: does this thing. I've I've made this analogy a couple times, but... Um, and, and again, not saying he's Giannis, but Giannis dunks on people a lot of times because they think, oh, there's no way he's going to dunk from yeah. that far out. That's just not yeah. going to happen. And then he dunks it and they're like, well, that's not, that's, you shouldn't be able to do that. And it's because he has those inspector gadget arms. And then Taylor Horton Tucker will be standing far enough away from a player to where they're kind of lack with the ball. They're kind of lackadaisical with the ball. And he just pokes it loose because they think, no, there's no way he can reach the ball from here. And he does. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He has, he has like, I mean, he's, he's six, four, but he has a seven, one wingspan. So he has these proportions that I think, just catch on both ends catch other normal you know not even normal but nba normal sized human beings off guard mm-hmm. because they're like hey, we can't possibly be in that place already right so um he had an above average i can't remember exactly what but he had an above average block and steal rate, which speaks to that idea and and yeah the the defense is right now as a 20 year old like i'm okay with it but it was a problem because mm-hmm. especially in a For a Frank Vogel team, like, you miss rotations and, like, you just have these glaring open holes on the defense that you've clearly caused, it's just not going to fly. On a team where, like, the defensive identity is the identity, Mm -hmm. like, it costs him playing time. He got two DMPs in the Sun Series, which I'm sure was part of it. But he has the tools. So I'd rather him have the tools and not be, you know, totally – you know, lockstep on the defensive end, because right. as we've seen with, like, many, many other players, defense is effort, and you can get better. So mm-hmm. he might never be, like, a Mikhail Bridges, who's just, like, the best, you know, rotational defender or one of the best already in his third year. But I do think he has the tools to get better. Like, to your point about the sort of picking people off, there was – in one of the early preseason games against the Clippers, in the first quarter of the game, Kawhi took the ball down the court and THT was on him. And Kawhi is obviously means the claw, right? He is he is the guy with the longest arms and the strongest right. hands. Mm-hmm. And THT was just like, whoop, just reached in, took the ball yeah. from him, Lakers fast break. So, like that's just not normal, you know? So if you got a 20-year-old who's doing not normal stuff on both ends, like it gets me excited.
0: So the, I, I guess the one thing that that does give me the most faith on his defense is the the culture stuff that you're talking about with Frank Vogel, with the way that the Lakers have been playing, and then Anthony Davis and LeBron James just tend to make people better defenders. That's just how that goes. Um, so so I'm not. I guess it's not necessarily that I'm I'm worried per se uh, about it because I think it'll if it is a problem then he just won't play and the Lakers will have guys who aren't 20 years old um helping them win championships in in the immediate future and then as he picks things up over the next few years then you know that's just a that's a really talented young player that uh that can grow into a larger role over the course of that time he does have a decision to make this next coming year though or, or the lakers will have a decision to make on him being a restricted free agent uh what's the what's the most you'd be comfortable paying him
1: so in the next two years, he can't make very much money. Well, I mean, he'll make a lot mm-hmm. of money, but in yeah. the NBA world, he won't make right. very much money, <laughs> right? Because he's only allowed to get basically the qualifying offer mm-hmm. um, from another team, which is 9.5 million dollars. But the Lakers will be able to offer him. 10.25 uh, and that's because of the arenas rule mm-hmm. the gilbert arenas provision which is basically the rule that helps teams not get punished for drafting well in the second round right. and like allows them to retain their players so that's what the lakers did with tht so mm-hmm. if they want if they if they want to pay him for the next two years it's it'll be almost certainly at that 10.25 number which I think is a good value for him. What gets scary is the idea of like the poison pill contract, which is what happened with Tyler Johnson, where he could get an offer sheet from another team for, you know, that 9.5 for the first two years and then 30 million a year for the next two. Right. Which I don't know if that happens, but I think he could easily get a number in the twenties from some team who really likes his playmaking upside. And then the Lakers have the decision of okay, we can easily eat the first two, but do we want to then spend, you know, another two to two to two to four years on Taylor Hunt and Horton Tucker for like a total of you know like eighty million dollars, it could be over over four total years, right? With ten, yeah, ten, thirty, thirty.
0: It's not it's not like I mean it it happened with Tyler Johnson to where by the end of that contract he was a buyout player, but but with yeah. somebody uh of of Taylor Horton Tucker's age if you're paying him 20 million dollars at any point in his career chances are if it it, it's it's not going to drop and if it does it's not going to drop very far somebody's always going to going to believe in that in that talent Uh, so if if that poison pill situation does arise and some team is paying him nine nine and then 2020 uh where where do you stand on all right Best of luck, kid. <laughs> Good luck over there.
1: You know, I think if you're the Lakers and like you're actually committed, or if you're Genie Bus and you're actually committed to doing everything you can to win a championship, you can't let them walk because yeah. they have no means of replacing him. They can't. They're they're capped out. They can't sign anybody in free agency. So, like, even if it's even if it's sort of like what the Nets. Warriors did with D'Angelo Russell, who was obviously a former Laker. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to throw him that contract, even if it's to move him, like what the Warriors right. did after they traded for him. Because you could event, I mean, you could end up. Let's say they signed him for twenty five, even which feels like an overpay right now. Like it's possible that that ends up being an underpay. I, I think that's that's mm-hmm. within the realm of possibility um, in those third and fourth seasons. But let's let's imagine they sign him for 25 in those seasons. They could end up using that contract to then move him for, you know, a pick and something else, just like the Mm -hmm. Warriors did. So it gives them more future flexibility, whereas if they let him walk, they, like, don't have the trade chip, they don't have the player, and they don't have the means to acquire another guy. So I think it has to be a no-brainer on them um, from the Lakers' perspective for basically any any amount of money, which is unfortunate, but –
0: I, I, I completely agree from a, uh, a resource understanding situation here where, again, it would suck to see the Lakers pay Dennis Schroeder $100 million this next year, but they would do so because if he walks, you, aren't, you probably aren't going to land a Dennis Schroeder equivalent for the amount that you'd be able to pay his replacement should he walk. So you, you sign him at a contract and then probably move him in December whenever you can finally move people. Um, I'm not saying that Talon Horton Tucker would definitely fit that mold. You would invest in Talon Horton Tucker and hope that he pans out, uh, but you cannot, in this offseason where you're so strapped for cash and assets, you can't let any of those assets just walk without thinking of how you're going to replace them. So I, I completely agree. Was there, before we get out of here, was there anything in your writing about Taylor Horton Tucker that you unearthed that you haven't seen talked about, uh, about him quite yet?
1: Um, you know, one thing that I noticed is kind of a smaller little statistical tidbit, but so he's a bad three point shooter. We know this, we mm-hmm. watched it. You can look at the numbers like he's terrible, but he's actually a really good three point shot creator. Mm-hmm. So, when he tries, is around the 70th percentile of three-point shot creation. So when he tries to get his open three, he can do it pretty easily. He's got that little – his start and stop speed is really impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, It reminds me of kind of like – I mean, this is a better player. I'm not a crazy person, but it reminds me of James Harden in the way that it's just like –
0: Kind of Herky jerky and yeah, uses yeah. So his was, body and leverage. The zero to
1: fifty speed, even if the one hundred speed is not is not there, like the zero to fifty is really mm-hmm. really quick, super balanced, which is what LeBron describes him as. But he gets those shots, so if he can make them, that becomes a really valuable weapon because mm-hmm. he'll actually be able to get his shot off.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I I really like I like pl- watching players like. Taylor Horton Tucker or James Harden when he isn't hunting fouls, because I'm not the most athletic guy. So the way that you have to get by people is to actually move them. You aren't going to move by them. You have to try to move them. And he's very opportunistic. He's very good at at seeing which way a defender is leaning and then either using a little shove because he's stronger and he has longer arms. So it doesn't look, he can extend his arms further without it looking like they're fully extended and then, uh, and then, yeah, extending that space. NBA players have that extra step back um, that he learned uh, a little bit how to do, and and creating that shot is is great. Do you think? Do you think as a creator for others, uh, what what did you see from him there? Like, do do you think so, he, he can do that and add that to his game?
1: Yeah. So to that to that creation point, part of it I think will be the shooting because right now. If, you, if you're talking about moving a defender, like, they're not going to move with you if they know you can't shoot, right? right? So they'll just sit. But if they have to also guard the shot, which they obviously do with, like, someone like Harden, which is why he always gets fouled on those shots, mm-hmm. is, like, they're worried about two different threats at the same time, the drive and the jump shot. Right. So they're juggling that, and they end up in the wrong place, and he exploits it. With THT, a lot of times defenses are able to just really sag, and so it's like he can't shake you because they're just not going to move. Mm-hmm. But... The shot enhances that, which then I think reopens up the lane for him, which will then give him opportunities to make more passes. I I don't think I've ever seen him make like a, oh, my God, I didn't see that pass, you know, kind of pass. But he does make – he makes like the obvious correct reads. And I think as he gets more space, there will start to be more looks that will be open, and then we'll all get a better sense of what kinds of looks he's capable of – of seeing and then making the right pass and maybe that'll open up more like those plus plus passes. But I mean, he's not like, he's not like blinds to cutters and stuff. He, he, he's looking for people. So I I have, I have, I'm hopeful, but I wouldn't say I like I'm certain about what I know that looks like.
0: Yeah. I think as a creator, he's young enough and moldable enough that I think if somebody just tells him, if you go here this is where your shooters are yeah. going to be. And if the defense is here, this is where the open shooter is going to be. I don't think he's ever going to be creative enough to just know that offhand, or, or even like the best creators move defenses into the spots that they want them so that the shot that they want to create opens up. I don't think he'll ever be quite be there, but I do think, I think he's, he's smart enough as a player to where if he understands where a defense is and where his shooter or where his finisher is, I think he'll be able to make those passes. I think he's capable enough um, in that respect. Thank you very much, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it should air, I believe later this afternoon, Harrison told me about it um, and, and was ranting and raving about it. So, so thank you very much for your work there. And, and I look forward to, to seeing more of your stuff at silver screen and Roll, and not at pinstripe alley. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks so much for having me. I had a great talking, time talking
0: THT. So. All right. And that's uh, Cooper Halpern. You can find him on Twitter at Cooper Halpern, C O O P E R H A L P E R N. All, there's no underscores or anything like that. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.